0: Welcome to Tall Tales Podcast. Tall Tales is a live stand-up comedy show that brings you stand-up comedy and road stories from some of the biggest, funniest, and most notorious names in sports and entertainment. And we're bringing that to you. Now this is the podcast. It's a companion piece. You can check out Tall Tales at talltalespod.com and you can get a little more in-depth by listening to this podcast. Check out the website, check out the podcast, leave those five-star reviews, and get ready for Tall Tales.
1: We, are we in? We're
0: in. This is in. episode three. Only took fifteen minutes to get started this time. Tim, what are we doing today? Where are we at? What well, is
1: this? We we it took fifteen minutes. We're late, ladies and gentlemen, uh, for us to figure out. We're gonna roll with one mic. Uh, That's as right. A, as a wise man once said, it's not too complicated. It's <laughs> it's,
0: a, it's a very complicated.
1: So we're, we're podcasting. It's not that <laughs> difficult. Um, somebody just make sure we're recording, right? and then that's about all anybody expects.
0: We're we're hoping it's working this time. Last episode was an iPhone episode, so there may have been a little audio quality. we apologize
1: for that, but again, lower the expectations. Absolutely. Podcasting.
0: You have a lawyer trying to be the tech guru, and I don't even know what I'm doing. I had to unplug half of what we usually have to make sure this was working this
1: time, so... But it is one. I can't imagine how much of this stuff is about to go back. Oh, I'm <laughs> telling you. It's expensive,
0: but I don't know how to use it. So. <laughs> it, is, it is getting
1: shipped back. The boxes are still in the corner, I swear to God. They are. There's a, there's a stack. Every of one boxes. of them. That's how raw and fresh right. this podcast is. And um, <laughs> well, as we go, you go.
0: Yeah. Well, well, here's the deal. I mean, I don't... Um, in my head, I thought when you did a podcast, you had to have special equipment. I've got friends that have them, and we advertise on a few. So I thought you had to have that. I
2: believe it's that making it's, it harder. Uh,
1: I think there's just one thing that's required or needed, and that's some time. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, from there, it's going to be as. Uh a big as budgeted as you want it to be, but if no one's listening, it doesn't fucking
0: matter. Right. And we're
1: hoping people are listening. That's like, well, yeah, you know, that's the goal. Well, what at some point, what we've accepted is for those few right, that do and are, it uh, changes their day right, and um, helps them uh, go into the next. Maybe shitty situation and encountering and dealing with people and having a hard time with that.
0: Sure. Well, I man, we do have two hardcore listeners, you and I, so we've started. Yes, the we base. will be
1: at least <laughs> listening. <laughs> right.
0: Um, I've listened three or four times per episode, so it's ingrained in my head. But the good news is Tall Tales. It's a live stand-up comedy show. We have comedians. We have headliners. And so we are going to have guests, and episode three, I think, is the perfect time to
1: bring in a guest. Yeah, and I think that we have picked the perfect first guest to have. I if, know we have. If you're going to, um, if you're going to start a podcast, or if you're going to uh, do a, a wrestling show, or if you're gonna do a comedy show. Um, there's there's one guy that literally wears and can wear all of those hats. Amen. And that is our, uh, our very first guest, Vinny Bucci, known as... The Booch! The Booch. The Booch is here. Welcome.
2: Thanks. Thank you guys for having me. I'm excited to be your first guest. It's like... It's not
0: every day you get to be someone's first guest. It's awesome. I love that. It's a great feeling. I tell you, I'm excited. (laughs) Tim and I have been talking, and there are some things we want to talk about. So it's going to be a good one. Jody's
1: literally like, when he says he's excited, he is hopping around in the seat. He he has those sort of giggles that you get after you've just been tickled the hell out of. Yes, yes. And you're kind of calming down a little bit. But it's like, don't touch me because I'm still too ticklish. Oh,
2: oh, I know. I know. Yeah. I've never seen a man get so happy to have his belt signed. It's oh. literally the oh my god! Like it's like it's like he's a kid again. There's like, no and question. I love, and, I, and I'm not even making fun of that. No, I'm hey. like, it's great. I've literally seen him like, can you get this guy to sign this belt for me? I'm like, oh, I'll see if he's backstage, and I go, I was like, <laughs> okay, and I'm like out there, and I'm just like, and I love it because I'm like, because you know, at my age, you don't see a lot of fans that get that way. Right. You know, so to see somebody, like, either my age or even a little bit older, like, still have that kid-like feel yes. for wrestling is a wonder. It's a wonderful thing. So, it does kind of take me aback the first time I see it, but I appreciate it, because I'm like, okay, I can, I'm can. i comfortable around people like that, because that means I can say I'm a wrestling fan, yes. and they get it, because it's so rare to find. I'm like, telling you, it I've is. Had, I've had ex-girlfriends that, some of them were wrestling fans, some of them weren't, and the ones that weren't, I couldn't. Make them understand it. Okay. But they looked well, at me like I was crazy.
1: Guys, again, we're excited to have yes. you, Vinny. If you can tell. Jody's excited. <laughs> I'm going to try to contain yes. some of these two, uh, because yeah. what we've done here, ladies and gentlemen, for the listeners that uh, maybe aren't wrestling fans, we found two of the biggest in the state and we've put them together. So we're gonna try to uh, we're gonna try to get to know the booch a little bit more today and, and talk about those many hats. You you drove down from John's Creek yes. this morning yes, I did. to be here as a guest, and you're in a Booch 365, 365. shirt. Yes. So I've got a, a rule, or uh, I guess an unwritten rule, but it's something I've realized I do in life now as I've gotten older. Whatever you introduce yourself to me as, I just end up calling you that. So I've got a wrestler friend, that when I first met him, he introduced himself as Mr. Pump Your Brakes. So he's always been some adaptation of Mr. Pump Your Brakes. Yeah. Uh, and it turned into with my kids, he's Uncle Pump. Yeah. What do you want to? What do you usually preferred, or what are you called? Is it depend on where you're at? And it, what do you prefer?
2: It depends on where I'm at. You know, um, usually. People who are real close to me, like friends, family members, people i met before I became the Booch, they still know me as Vinny. Like, they call me that sometimes, but after I got on, you know, when, when the Booch thing kind of took off was when I became part of, um, you know, the regular guy show, they were calling me Booch, so it took off. And it's actually a family nickname, found that out later. Like, my brother's been called Booch by his friends, uh, my dad was called Booch. I have a cousin, Christina, in Philadelphia. They call her Booch. So it was a family nickname. Everybody wow. got called this. And I learned it when I went to Philadelphia. Um, we were My grandpa, when I was a kid, was taking me and my brother down 9th Street. And uh, they were going there. We were looking at everything. And a bunch of people were screaming, hey, Booch. And I started looking around. So I'm thinking, who from New Jersey followed me to Philadelphia?
0: <laughs> who's the stalker? Yeah, who's
2: the stalker? Like, somebody's followed me here. And I'm like, Booch. I'm hearing Booch. And then I found out later, they're calling my grandpa that. Wow. So everybody was being called Booch. It's just that when I got on the regular guys, and they caught calling me the Booch, I'm the one who made it famous. So it's kind of like, now I'm Booch, and it got to the point where, and this is what's really cool, my brother was hanging out with his friends, they were all calling him Booch, and a bunch of fans thought he was me and bought him drinks all night. (laughs) And my brother came up and said, oh, by the way, people thought I was you, they bought me free drinks, are you cool with that? I said... Did you get drunk and act stupid? He said, no. Go ahead.
3: That's
2: it. I was it. like, I am cool with it. My brother got to you. They all think my brother was me. Because <laughs> on the radio, they don't really see your face that often. So when they heard Booch, they just started buying my brother drinks. So I love that. Now usually, So it usually depends. I don't mind um, being called Vinny or Booch. The only thing I don't like to be called is Vincent. That's the only one I don't like. Because it's too proper, and it brings back bad memories. Because my parents would call me Vincent when I'm in trouble. So I don't like Vincent, unless you're... Unless you're uh, a judge or a cop, then you can call me whatever the hell you want. <laughs> I'm not going to argue with you, but I, I go with Vinny or Boots. So you pick the one you want. I'll I like run it. Run
0: with that. that could be a cool t shirt, like a family boots tree. I'm just, there's so many boots.
2: <laughs> I like that. I like that. I, <laughs> I like can that. See Jody. It. To, ask All ask right, it. we've
1: got the whiteboard. <laughs> one mark for Jody. That's right. Put that down. <laughs> that's Jody's my good. idea. That was good.
0: We can trademark
1: that later. We'll Here we go. ProWrestlingTVs.com. <laughs> <laughs> Here
2: we go. <laughs> You hey, some, too. <laughs> oh hey. We can
1: help you do that.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah, I appreciate it.
1: Call a seller's firm. They can absolutely help you get something trademarked.
0: That's right. Yeah, that, that is right. You know, We talk about this. I just wanted to throw this out there. I am an attorney, and I'm literally in a suit right now because we've talked about my get-up. You're in
1: some of the suit. I'm in half of the suit. The sleeves are in up. the suit, though. Like That's right. Superman's, you know, Of course, yes. Clark Kent and changes into uh, what we know. But he has the Superman
0: suit. That's right. We had court this morning. We've got it this afternoon, but we're taking a break. Um, so, you know, it feels weird wearing this right now. I wish I was wearing a Boots shirt. It looks more oh, It is
1: 47 degrees in this room. <laughs> yes, Because <laughs> Jody's got to maintain this suit. That's right, absolutely. All day. Absolutely.
2: Yeah, I'm cool with that, man. I've gotten used to it. My, my house is cold, too. So, I'm used to waking up and being around cold weather.
1: Gosh, I, I'm, I feel like I started this so out of breath. Because, uh, obviously, you know, we were just trying to get this all... Uh, put together and um, we were running a few minutes late, but just walking from the car in, just out of breath. And it's so sad because I've started to rationalize in my mind or take a little like uh, credit for like, well, I exercise, it's exercise, it's good. That's not exercise, It's not a workout walking (laughs) from your car door to the next place you're going. That's Expected, <laughs> right? It's yeah. not. I mean, that's not. You can't. Does any, anybody else? I mean, no. I'm that's not, every day. Wanna,
2: no, I mean, I lie to myself. I've realized out, that
1: this morning, though. Like, I was like in the elevator. I'm like, fuck. Like, I hope Jody's. I was already thinking, trying to figure out what to say because Jody's going to be sitting here, having been ready to get started, and I was out of breath. I was going to need to tell him, like, hey, man, let's 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 slow down for a minute. And I'm like, what am I out of breath from? Right. Nothing. That's true. Yeah. I walk up the steps to my office
0: to the the next floor every day, and I try to convince myself that that's exercise. That's a
1: little bit more, you know. but you get a little credit because of the intention with the there actual act itself. There you go. But just taking the elevator. Yeah, if
0: you're taking the elevator and you're out of breath from riding the elevator, that's a problem. No, it wasn't. <laughs> I know. It's using the
1: elevator as... Um, a breath catcher a checkpoint Right. Yeah, so like yeah. okay exactly. yeah. alright I'm at a checkpoint I reach the fucking elevator hands on your knees the, yeah.
0: suck in the wind yes. real
1: quick alright
2: well, if, if, so it's a checkpoint so that means if, if I trip and fall and die I go right back to the elevator or how does that work?
1: yes okay, yeah. like you don't get to Sorry. come like the next point like when the elevator doors open I was going to have to be into this mode exactly ready to go yes
2: by the way for anybody that, doesn't know, that was a, I was making a video game, like when you go to a checkpoint and then you fall off screen and die you go right back to the know. he's a comedian I'm pretty sure I don't know because you kind of looked at me like what is he talking about Vinny's, oh, fishing,
1: Vinny's fishing for one because Jody's in the lead right now <laughs> um,
0: well hey that, that's a good segue though because uh, I did have a question I know Vinnie. Um, I know Tim, and this is Tall Tales. It's Tall Tales Pod. It's about our comedy show. vinny has been on the show, but but how did you two actually meet? We've talked a little bit about Tim's background, but how did you two kind of connect and give us a little background on how that that kind of played out? I don't know the story.
2: Well, I know as far this is this is as far back as I can remember. Um,
1: <laughs> I don't know if Tim goes. Farther. We'll compare the memories. If he does, I'll feel bad. <laughs> That's funny but, that we would even disclaimer that.
2: Right. <laughs> I Either just, he
1: nor I may not know <laughs> the actual origin, but this is going to be based on oral tell and what we remember. Welcome
2: to well, Tall I mean, Is I that mean, true? I, I remember what I remember was a while. This is a couple years ago. Um, when I first met Tim face to face, that I can remember was we did a show. Uh, he, used to, he used to do a comedy show at a place called Six Ways to Sunday. Where's and, that at? I uh, believe... Conyers? Conyers. Okay, it was my I to remember. Uh, so it was in Conyers, Georgia, and at the time, it was right around 2011, and I had just won uh, the Creative Loafing Award for, like, Best Local Comic in Atlanta. Oh, wow. So to be
1: clear to the listeners, not just a couple of years ago. Right.
2: Yeah. It was 2011, and also it was there was a reader's pick and a staff pick, and I got the reader's pick, because the readers get to vote for who they want, and the staff kind of picks who they like, and then they put them both together. That's great. So the readers voted for me. And um, I, and the year before that, uh, a friend of mine who's also very talented, Joe Pettis, okay. loves wrestling, very talented comedian. Actually, ironically, I found out that I won when he called me because Creative Loafing didn't even message me that I won. <laughs> no, it's funny. Like, I, Joe literally, literally called, me up. He called me up and said, hey, man, congratulations. And I'm like, uh, thanks. Just uh, I don't want to be rude, but what am I being congratulated for? He said, you don't know? I'm like, I have no idea. He goes, you just won Creative Loafing. I'm like, huh? Huh? <laughs> Well, thank you. And I appreciate that, brother. Joe Pettis also yeah. a tall Tales alum. Yeah, yeah. so he did so he was the winner for 2010. Okay. So Tim came up with the idea, hey, I'll put them both on a show. He hosted it, I was the feature, and Joe headlined because at Fantastic. the time Joe was more, Joe Joe was like I wasn't on the regular guys, I was, but I was like kinda still new to the show. Sure. And this so, is about so, a decade ago, right? Yeah, about a decade ago. Okay. So Joe was doing much much mm. bigger than me, much better than me. He's still doing better than me a little bit. But uh, I'm not trying to make fun of Joe. I'm just making jokes. I love a Joe. Uh, I love Joe Pettis. He's my best friend. We're gonna have Joe so. on here next. Joe, <laughs> yeah. I want to hear his version
0: of the story. But no, so he
2: was, um, so he was headlining. I was featuring. Tim was hosting. So we did the show, and it was fantastic. And then afterwards, we're all hanging out. I did a little bit of a boochcast episode. I used to record on my phone, like everywhere back then. I didn't have Audacity or SoundCloud or anything like that, or even Blot Talk yet. I was still just doing it on my phone and posting it. So, we all well, kind of what,
1: but where, where did we do this? Uh, it
2: was in a van. I don't remember whose van. It
1: was my van. It was your
2: van. Yes. And what type sat- of van?
1: Ooh. It was a 1989. I'm gonna I'm gonna say it again so everyone can Google. It's a 1989 40 Ford Econo line Ooh. and it was a self-contained, meaning it was a little RV. But it was totally decked out in like this 70s vibe. And it was in mint condition because I had purchased it on the side of the road up in Mount Zion Boulevard or somewhere up there in that area, Clayton County. It was in a little auto shop and they had it on the side of the road and they said $2,500. And I pulled in there because I'm an RVer at heart and I was like, holy cow. And I pulled in there and the guy said... He was selling it for a little old lady. Her husband had died. It was theirs. And he had always done the oil changes and the tires and stuff on it. And so he was helping her sell it. Okay. And so it was like a, a, a gold mine. Yeah, pick. absolutely. It was. In, so I was just starting making that. That was my decision to take that step, like that next step in comedy to like be able to really go further as opposed to where you can travel in a car and sort of spend the night. What was a little bit more realistic? It it allowed me to have a much further reach for the shows that I was doing. That's a hell of a step, um,
0: a car to a van. It is. Right.
1: It is. It's I was. I was in. <laughs> right. I was all in. And Absolutely. It was. Yeah. So there's a lot of tall tales. That could come from that period (laughs) in life, but one of them we have here today, so yeah, so just to paint the picture a little bit. Yes, absolutely. Uh, But, so we did, after the show. Yeah,
2: we did the cast together in the car, and then we were just hanging, and then afterwards we just hung out and talked, and Tim and I just vibed, got along really well. Didn't didn't even know he was a wrestling fan at the time. We were just talking comedy and everything else, and then...
1: Not something that typically probably comes up. It's not. You meet another adult.
2: Yeah, exactly. not 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 a, I, I don't know. But I was, for making, me, the, I was making the point that we yes. that, that, that was not we did not we no. didn't know each other like wrestling.
1: I had a um, I had a uh, an apparatus that's what's called a vaporizer. Yes. And we
0: allegedly
1: allegedly had. You know, a, a powwow, and and I think it was we we had a few people and some fans.
0: Okay. Yeah.
1: Joined us. Yeah. Uh, Booch had some fans, and yeah. uh, the other comedian had some fans, and I had a few fans. So we piled around and did a Booch. Got love. Do you have
2: that? I, oh it's i don't know if i still have it find is that it. in the vault I got somewhere it, it, it's, it. it's probably, on
1: my space somewhere
2: <laughs> it's a, i think i was still doing i can't remember if i was on gabcast or daily splice i bounced through different podcasts find it sites. find I'm it i'm trying to find great. it i can't guarantee that i have it though it might be it might be a lost episode that i can't no. find it. so
0: here we go fans if we find it we're gonna put it in right now hey everybody this is jody surprise surprise we do not have that clip of Vinny. But don't worry, you can check out The Booch online on social media Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or check out his website at VinnyTheBooch.com. Now back to the episode. So we're back now, but if you didn't hear it, it's still lost. <laughs> we'll keep looking. You
1: just heard
2: Jody tapping on a table. That's right, that you was, heard me. And you're me like, laughing. what the hell
1: again? That was our engineer, Jody Seltz. <laughs> Making a note. <laughs> um for lack of a better term to be able to go back and have an editing point.
0: my Uh, youtube editing skills tell me if there's a space somewhere you can cut it out (laughs) (laughs) we'll see what happens i might put in tommy wildfire's clip if we can't find yours (laughs) we'll put that one is it
2: from the show he did like when he was on stage
1: uh, no, but we,
2: no, we've that got, we'll get, we
1: got all Yeah, that we but got a little promo he, uh, Tommy yes, did for me. Is, we, I think we've now we've got to play it. Yeah, it
2: has to I, be no, funny. No, I, love, I love Tommy, but I just remember him being crazy on stage. No.
1: Oh, he was fantastic. Um, it
2: was wonderful. <laughs> i was just saying, like
1: I'm... Jody kind of brought it up a little bit in a previous co- podcast. So right. I'll tell my version of it a little <laughs> bit, and uh, so fans will know what we're talking about, and you will a little bit. Jody is a sponsor on another podcast right, called right. JV Squadcast, and it's a couple of the guys from Impractical Jokers.
0: They're writing staff, to be yes. very clear. J-
1: again, the show, though, yes. Again, just Absolutely. part of it, you yeah. know, loose, loosely, maybe, right. um, up to your interpretation. But um, ha- he sponsors that podcast. Well, Jody has been down with them for a long time, right? From the, the beginning, years, yes. Yeah. And they brought on another law office from another state, but they had another sponsor. So they had a really cool sort of this firm versus that firm little, not advertising wars, but kind of. Like, who's the best firm sort of deal. Cutting a promo well, on each we'll other. Get, well, guess who we're good friends with. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to do promos, Tommy Wildfire Ridge just might be in the in my truck or I'm here telling, in the yeah, office yeah. or whatever. We're, you know, so... Tommy cut a promo for us. Graciously, and, yes. And, uh, <laughs> yes. And so we I
0: don't did you ever was there a response? From the other attorney? Yes.
1: Yeah, they did one. His
0: was very um they have a budget, I'll put it that way. So this was very oh, theatrical. Oh. It had a lot of effects, and but it did not have a wrestling oh. legend. Would, are, are you NWA legally allowed champion? to play that now? That's so since
1: I've told my side... And, oh, I and can absolutely stand, play their
0: promo. Yeah, it's you, you have their to their play the
1: two, and we have to do a poll or something, and we okay. have to let people decide again, because there's nothing like... Sometimes going back and kicking the hell out of that dead horse again just to make sure (laughs) that that thing... Because this is wrestling, we were talking about, in the the spirit of wrestling. Right. But um, no, Tommy did this promo, and in my opinion, it was over. Um, So we'll do this then for the the editing genius. We're
0: going to put in Tommy's promo right now.
4: I'm very excited for this. Okay. So we got an email from Jody Sellers, our other sponsor, Incredible Law Office in Georgia. And we also have another lawyer... That is now sponsoring our podcast. They've entered the ring. They've entered the ring. And Jody has stepped up and he, we have his promo. We have not listened to this yet. We, don't, we haven't read it really yet. We just know that Jody sent us some information. We are going to dive into that right now and show you this promo against
5: our other lawyer. So we have Jody L. Sellers from the Sellers Law Firm, LLC. A lot of L's in there. Yeah, Sellers has L's. Seller L. Yeah, L. Um, Sellers. And this is a promo that he got from Tommy Rich.
4: Yeah, a wrestler.
5: Uh, who is a former NWA wrestling champion. And, what? He um, looked at me like, what does that mean? Tommy Wildfire
4: Rich. Yeah, NWA is not the NWO. It's like another, it's like an, I forget what it is, but like maybe like North. At, at,
5: um, National Wrestling Ra- yeah, Association. Yeah, National Wrestling Association. Yeah, something like okay. that. Hold on, here we go. Okay.
6: Somebody say somebody I want to give a shout out to my boys at JV Squad Squadcast. I hear you boys, y'all doing, y'all kicking it. I've been listening to you, we got we got a lot of things going on. When it comes to attorneys, boys, I'm going to tell you. Being a former world heavyweight champion, I've been in trouble. And when you get in trouble, you got to have somebody you can depend on, a good attorney. Some folks say it's kind of like a bridge over troubled waters. The only problem with that is... When them waters get real trouble, a lot of times them bridges collapse. When you get in trouble, everybody says they're your friend, but when you need them, they ain't there. I know, because I've been crazy, I've got in trouble. You get big storms come in, fires, but you know what? When them waters get troubled and they start rising, that bridge will come crumbling down. Hey, but when it's all said and done and the smoke settles, ladies and gentlemen, Jody Sellers is the number one man. He ain't there just to represent you. You walk in as a client, and by the time you get done, you become his family. And it takes family to win a case, not a bridge over troubled waters, not a strong arm. You know, it takes somebody that's going to be there. Not no slogan name. Let me tell you. The number one attorney in Griffin, Georgia, and around the country as far as I'm concerned, Jody Sellers, bar none. Wow. Wow. Wow.
4: That is so fun. What a great voice he has. Hot out the gate. He could read anything and it'll sound cool. I love that. Wow. That is like, that's like, that's like a stereotype of what a wrestler sh- should sound like. That was perfect. He's like a character
5: from the Ren and Stimpy show. That's like one of those wrestlers. That's what,
4: that's the way his voice like amazing. would go high sometimes and, and like break. That was so, and like that draw. Wow, that was so amazing. Jody is winning this contest.
5: Yeah, Jody come out, come out strong. He's uh, so Jody's Jody Sellers with the Sellers family law firm. Oh yeah, I of can't remember their name. Is. How do you not remember? He just screamed <laughs> it at us. Um, I'm a, I'm not good at paying attention. Uh, well, okay, so then uh, you know, but up next, contending next week, or hopefully we get a promo from him. Will be. Um, uh, Brett Samotovich from the Greater Tampa Law. That's right, Greater Tampa um, Law. Apparently, it's a PL, which is not... It's not an LLC. Uh, it's not an LLC. It's a professional limited liability company.
4: Okay, maybe... So, yes. Yeah, that sounds like that sounds like someone who knows legal, and they're like, yes. I'm actually going to go with this other thing. So, oh, well, let's see what happens.
5: Uh, you know, in a lot of ways, it's like the skiers versus the snowboarders right now, right? Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> yeah.
4: Like... I don't know which one's which. I don't... But I think, like... Yeah, I'm excited because it's it's Griffin, Georgia versus Tampa. This is so fun. It's almost like I know that we have wrestling themes here, and there's like they're calling each other out, but it's also there's something like sportsy about it too. It's like you know, like representing where I'm from versus where you're from. Exactly. And we're just two like you know Northerners that get to watch this like Southern fight.
0: And then since we just heard Tommy's promo, I'm gonna put in the other law firm. They're out of Tampa. Really good guys. We're gonna play theirs now.
5: Do you hear that? What's that? That's the Greater Tampa Law Firm music. I do hear
4: that. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh, it's the Greater Tampa Law Firm music.
3: Cut the music. Oh, I've been listening to you, Jody Sellers. And you know what I'm hearing? All this talk of waters rising, bridges crumbling. Well, maybe that's what bridges do in Georgia. But Greater Tampa Law, your bridge to justice is built on a strong foundation by Brett Semetovich and Jason Bard, two former prosecutors who have handled everything from DUIs to first-degree murder. That's not a Georgia bridge. Oh no, that bridge to justice is a bridge built to last. A bridge you can depend on, like the Golden Gate or the Ponte Vecchio Bridge that's in Florence, Italy. (laughs) Casey and Joe will be the first to tell you that there's no better, more secure way of getting to Manhattan than the Brooklyn Bridge or the Staten Island Bridge. So I'm telling you, if you're in Florida, and you need a firm that specializes in both criminal and family law. A bridge to justice. I've got just two words for you. Cross it!
4: Wow.
0: And then after you've heard those two, we'll do a little poll, or the three of us will do a poll because no one else is hearing this. <laughs>
1: Well, that's probably At some point it will be a hurt. good time then. <laughs> um, as uh, Take a quick break. We've hey, got our guest idea. Vinny Bucci here. And um, when we come back, we're gonna. I want to know how you got started in comedy. You okay. know, um, That is, and I'm glad you brought the van up because I love reminiscing. I miss that van every day of my life still to this day. And wow. one day we'll get into why and who and how I let that thing go. But... Um, Want to get into how you got into comedy? Because you're right, that is about as far back as I remember. Yes. As far as us meeting, and I've got that poster still. Okay, and, awesome, uh, that's that, fantastic. Yeah, that's it's a, it was a badass, it poster. poster. It's, it's a...
2: got like I got like blue boxing gloves on, Joe. So like <laughs> boxing gloves. We got headgear on. It's like that's yeah. fantastic. Like well, it, it was 2011. It's 2012. Come see the show. <laughs>
1: yep, it was at that was time. Great. As as Vinny mentioned, um, I was kind of doing the duel where. I was performing every night and everywhere that I could while also running my own show that helped put some gas in my tank and help keep some things afloat at that time. So um, I was all in. Well, at that time, the Atlanta comedy scene had some, I mean, they had some names that we're really seeing now that have blossomed into... My former wife called me the other day and Whoa, said that what? her and her current husband um, are great. We have a great relationship. Oh, yeah, uh, absolutely. They, Sorry, that was a but, weird... No, reaction. they weren't. No, no. But she <laughs> called randomly the other day. Right. And we
2: don't talk. Her right. and Vicki
1: are best friends. Exactly. Who is my wife.
0: Which makes sense. Yeah, yeah.
1: total white trash. We get it. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> we they she called... She texted my phone. Um To tell me that they had been watching Dulce Sloan uh, on... And it was something you wouldn't have thought, but it was like Fox News or something. And she was providing uh, some commentary on a lot of what's going on currently. Sure. And for anyone that doesn't know who Dulce Sloan is, she is... A powerhouse. A powerhouse comedian that, uh, just to describe her, she is um, African American she's up our age probably she's
2: yeah and and what's great about it is is that her material is she can be brutally honest but also she well she she makes it she makes everyone feel comfortable at her show even if there's a joke that might make you feel a little uneasy in your chair wait a joke's coming around is going to make you feel more calm i like that she she crosses over to everyone which is great absolutely i saw her on conan and she crushed it to this day one of the funniest jokes I heard her tell and I felt I actually messaged her and told her and I I don't talk to Dulce all the time so when she got this message she was like huh and I was like I fell off my bed I was laughing so hard (laughs) because she did this joke about how she was ringing up at a supermarket Mm -hmm. and this guy was ringing her up and apparently at one point I think he made some kind of fat reference or something and she's looking at me goes I'm sorry, I couldn't hear you over the minimum wage. What you saying? (laughs) And I fell off the bed laughing. That was the funniest. But she's
1: got a look that she um, has mastered of saying exactly what maybe you're standing there thinking to yourself. (laughs) Is that person in line? Maybe you're that white person, and the whole scenario makes you a little uncomfortable listening to that. Uh She says exactly what you think that she should say in that moment. Um, but normal people probably wouldn't. I got gotcha. you. But she, I'm not going to call her fat um, or, or, or whatever you were just saying. But um, I'll say this. She does have some material about, hey, look at me. I've got no business having us spraying. I think the joke is about some Bath and Body Works and how, like, she hates that gift because the last right. thing she needs is to be living life, walking around, smelling like she's got snack cakes in her purse. <laughs> uh, she's... One of our earlier, earlier bits, but um, that's sort of the premise. Right, right. But at that time, the shows that I did, no-cover comedy, were in these little bars or sports bars and just the opposite of ideal to be trying to do a comedy show, but outside of Atlanta, outside of the perimeter, on the south side. Um, Just it's crazy you think about everything that's going on now, but rewind 10 years ago and doing a show like for a lot of them it was their very first time doing a show outside of downtown or midtown or, or wherever um and for her to come out in porterdale or in butts county or um mcdonough cedar town cedar town georgia i don't know if you've ever if anybody's never been to cedar town but uh not always the most ideal or what you were th- would be thinking uh, being an, uh, a younger African-American woman and, and putting, like, is she going to ha- uh, pull that sort of audience, whatever. Sure. Here was the thing. Dulce, and you know this early on the first time you saw her she would take over any room that she was put in because she was funny.
0: That's fantastic. So
1: she was just going to cut right through whatever stereotype, and it was just amazing to watch. There's a handful of comedians that were like her, and and as Vinny mentioned, you're seeing them on Conan or a variety of different uh, comedy central shows and specials and stuff now. Um, But yes, I know we were going to go to a break, but... That's about the time that I met Vinny, and putting him on a show with Joe Pettis at that time, they were both coming off a of back-to-back years of best comic. He he was the new best comic, so it was like a battle of Atlanta. Yeah. Right. And I actually think we did that show in McDonough at the Zone, and we also did it in Conyers. I don't we did remember. it two I, times. I, I,
2: I don't remember doing that other show in McDonough. I remember I only remember I remember two shows specifically that I did with you. One was in Cedar Town. One was in. Connors. I don't remember doing the McDonald's. Okay. I, mean, I, I thought I
1: like with that, that poster. poster or that idea, but yes. Yeah, so you, you, like you might have done
2: something similar to that with, with two of the comics. Uh, early but I was not in the McDonald's one. I do remember the
1: hacky one. marketing gimmick job of like, oh, I know it would be good. Let's put and if, and if Joe Pet.
2: Well, but here's because, the, th- the thing is, it was great because here's why it worked. because you had Joe Pettis, who practically everybody his nickname now is like the mayor of Atlanta comedy. Yes, yeah. <laughs> so and he is. Like every, yes, he is. Because he yes. produces more shows than anybody out there, which Absolutely. is amazing. I've seen Joe progress so much, like and like I said, we he was one of those guys that I became like very good friends and started with, and you know he helped me he helped me with the bootcast very early on. He was one of those guys that was hands on helping me get the word out. And he had one of the he had like the second most popular show, which made him mad because it was number one until I interviewed Larry, and then that got more hits. And Joe <laughs> would literally be like in competition with Larry, going "Screw this! I want the most hits!" And I was like, "Argue all you want, it gets me more downloads." <laughs> I <was> like, <laughs> but yeah, so Joe was like on on this another level. Then I just got I was on the regular guy's show, so I was coming up. So you had two powerhouses on one show that people knew. Yeah, and it was genius.
1: And and we did it out in Conyers and you maybe wouldn't think that that particular area had any sort of stereotype. At least I didn't. But I also didn't live in that bubble of not coming outside of the perimeter sure. and doing shows in in what their mind would probably be rural areas. Cedartown isn't really rural, nor is McDonough, but the conception misconception is these are going to be some podunk, hick, regneck,
0: <laughs> right. you
1: know, Dukes of Hazard, cars. And you know, like, but it... Yeah, cause it's awesome. these were these comedians that i had done shows with and had watched just just living at shows and just knew like if they're willing to come this is going to be a great show so glad vinnie remembers that it was a Absolutely. it was a good show we used to pack probably i don't know 60 to 80 people in their standing room only and that doesn't sound like much but um Oh, and they allowed smoking. You couldn't breathe. I mean, you couldn't. It would get to a point where you really couldn't see from the waist down. You didn't need alcohol. Uh, what I they call it? Beer goggles. Exactly. Uh, you were, it was just, you couldn't breathe in that place. So, yeah, six ways to Sunday.
0: Well, I guess that's a great time to take a break. Because, <laughs> <Nice. laughs> uh, yeah, we definitely want to get into uh, the Vinnie getting into comedy. And you mentioned the regular guy show several times. So let's uh, take a break and we'll come back and let's dive into that next. All right, we're back. Um, I guess, Vinny, uh, you've kind of mentioned it a couple of times already, the regular guy show and sort of your first show with Tim and how you guys met. So, I mean, is that how you got into comedy? Were you doing that years before? Tell us the the origin story, the back the backdrop, the background for the booch. <laughs> well,
2: uh, well, as far as uh, how I got into comedy, it was um, I first got interested in comedy when I was a kid. Okay. Because... Ironically, one of the first comedians, the first the first actual stand up that I ever saw, was Andrew Dice Clay. Okay. And I was at an age where I was not allowed to watch Andrew Dice Clay. Is there an age? I (laughs) don't think there is. There is (laughs) is an age. There is an age. And and I'm gonna the age plays a factor in other things I'm gonna get to in a minute. But so I was I was a fan of Dice because my dad loved Andrew Dice Clay. That was his that was his guy. And my mom also loved Dice. You know, because she even though he could be misogynistic on stage, she knew it was his his character or gimmick, as we say in wrestling. So she knew that, so she didn't care. But she didn't want some. She didn't want her son, who's like six, seven years old, to be watching dice because she didn't want. Because she knew whatever I saw on TV, I was going to imitate.
0: Good for her. She yeah. Knew
2: that. <laughs> she <laughs> knew I was going to walk into school and be like, "Does anybody want? Does anybody got a nursery rhyme? I do." Thank
0: God she I, didn't like him next watch. Next
2: thing you know, next thing you know, she gets a phone call. Um. Why is your son saying "What's in the bowl, bitch?" to the class <laughs> and like then my mom's turning and, and my mom at my dad? So it's not gonna work, you know. <laughs> you know. I, you, last thing you want is this, last thing he wants a kindergartner saying "Jack and Jill went up the hill, each with a buck and a quarter." Oh, goodness. Jill came down <laughs> with two fifty. You, you don't want that. <laughs> so that was the first real stand-up I saw. Then, as I got older, it was right around two thousand two was when I really got fascinated with it because that's when a lot of comics who stopped. Were coming back okay like Robin Williams had stopped doing stand-up and then he came back Martin Lawrence came back and obviously I knew who Robin Williams and Martin Lawrence Jim Carrey Annie Murphy I'd seen their movies sure so I knew their names I used to think they were comics right because when they were doing comedy I wasn't born yet or if I was born I was like an infant sure so I wasn't really and plus their material was so raunchy again mom kept me away from those because right. she was like she's not trying to like censor me but she wants me to be old enough to understand these are words that you can only say at a certain time. To know when to curse and when not to curse. When you're a kid, you don't know. So she wanted me to be able to one day say them. But I did not. Because she wasn't stupid like, these are bad words. She would be like, no, they're adult words. When you're an adult, you can say them. For now, you can't. It was like, context makes sense. She put it in a context that made sense to me. Okay, I'm not an adult. Can't say these words yet. I still did when she wasn't around. But, you know. <laughs> kids. I You know, kids, kids will be kids. But I knew around my parents don't say these words yet. Now I can say whatever the hell I want. But anyway... So I, I started watching Robin Williams and got fascinated about his stand-up. Then I saw Martin Lawrence. I started getting... I became this big fan of comedy at seven... And I, and I kind of made the decision at 17, I want to do this. But it wasn't until I was 19 that I actually got on stage. And the guy... But the comedian that influenced me the most... And I'm comfortable saying it now because when I first said this, when I started doing comedy, I got a lot of eyes staring at me. Dan Cook was the guy that got ultimately got me into it. Really? Yeah, it was Dan. Uh, I saw his half-hour Comedy Central Presents... And he was the first comic I ever saw where I related to thi- where he said things that were relatable to me. Because everyone else is talking about marriage and kids and sex. And I'm like, I'm 17. I don't have this crap. So, you know, so I'm watching all this. And I started gravitating towards that. Then when I was 19, I started looking up places to perform. First thing I found was the Funny Farm back when that was around. And I messaged Kim Wapaya, who, was, who I'm friends with today. But at the time, she didn't know who I was. And I tried to message her. Hey, do you know? It was, it was, it was, there were the only, at the time, there were only two places to go. There weren't a lot of places like there are today. So they were 21 and over clubs. So I was like, do you let people underage at least perform? They go, not nor- not normally, but come by and we'll talk. So I go to the show and that's where I met Dan Weeks. That's where I met uh, Tanner Inman. I've met a lot of comics that were like Drew Thomas, like guys who were like amazing on stage. Like Dan Weeks was one of the guys that I was stood in awe of how he performed. I was amazed at, at him. So I'm watching all these guys and then they tell me, they said, well, how long have you been doing stand up? I said, Well, I haven't yet. I'm trying to get into it. And they said, Well, you probably don't want to be here. And I was like, Give me. And I was confused because I was like, Okay. Uh, they said that you know you got to start out in other places. I'm like, um, I'm sorry. Isn't that how open mics are designed? Like that's what confused me. Like okay, I'm not asking you to let me headline the weekend. Can I just do five minutes? And well, plus you're underage. Like I don't even drink. Just let me. Just let me do five minutes, and then you can kick <laughs> me out the door. I don't care. I'm not. Enough. I don't. I don't drink alcohol that much. I didn't at the time. Um, you know. So I was like, I'm not gonna do that. So then I try to go, and then and of course the punchline. They told me the same thing at the time. I was 19. Like, so they weren't gonna let 19. They won't. They wouldn't let me make. I was 19, and because. They, and the reason they do that is because they want you to perform in, like, coffee places and bars and stuff, so you get an idea, because they want to make sure you're ready before you go up there. Now, I don't. Now I think that rule might have changed over time, but that's the way it was. This is, like, 2006, so things were different back then. So as I'm walking out of the funny farm, I met this woman. Her name is Alyssa Barnett, and I owe her so much. She ran an open mic at Eddie's Attic that she was starting. So she hands me this flyer, and she, so she comes up to me and asks me, like, are you a comedian? And she was like the seventh person that had asked me that while I was getting a cold shoulder from people. So I just start, I start ranting. <laughs> I was like, I was like, no, but I'm trying to be, and they won't let me on stage, I don't know why. She's like, okay, okay. <laughs> She's like, I just have a flyer, do you wanna perform? I'm like, sure. So a few weeks later, I go to Eddie's Attic. It was, I remember it was August 26th, 2006. I go to Eddie's Attic. I did five minutes, and I did okay. Got laughs, I didn't kill it, but I didn't bomb either. I did kind of good, decent. I got off stage, and a bunch of people were congratulating me and everything, and I felt good, and then I just kept going back to Eddie's Attic. At the time, that was one of the few places that would take me. Then eventually, when I got to, like, 21, the Funny Farm let me in. I started performing there. When I was 22, I got the courage to go back to the punchline, and they let me in, and Marcy and I are great friends today, so I get along with everybody, and it kind of snowballed from there. So that was really how I got into it, and I just started doing, I started finding what I could do and sure. had the good, the bad, the ugly of stage time when you don't know
0: what you're doing. And I don't want to ask you about that, Vinny. When you mentioned bombing and, and the, the good, the bad, and the ugly, I have seen now several performances with Tall Tales. Um, I've always been a fan of stand-up comedi- uh, comedy uh, and seeing shows, and I've always wondered, when you, get, when you go up there and you perform and there's no reaction, it's silence maybe it turns to a heckle or two what is that like i mean that's that's like a balls of steel (laughs) i don't know like uh how do you what
2: how do you handle that like uh, i can't even imagine it's you learn to handle it with experience i think tim will agree with me on that um, when I fir- when it was first happening I didn't know what the hell to do I was so awkward and uncomfortable Run away. you know it's kind of like a kid at a talent show you're like um uh, I didn't cry right. but I was still kind of like okay I just kept going and going and going and I'd be like okay thank you and I would just leave it was weird so then like the heckles I would try to ignore them because I didn't really have the ability to res- I-, I had confidence to get on stage right. but not to battle with people yeah but sure that came later okay so that's uh, gotta be
0: a whole nother skill it's level. a whole other
2: skill involved like that kinda came later and then sometimes I've learned to I've learned to when to actually be vicious to somebody and when to kinda just play around with them and if you got ammo in your back pocket it works cause I, a while back I was headlining the show and I did this joke about, a kid, about having a kidney stones I had one last year mm-hmm. and I was doing and the whole bit is about comparing a kidney stone to giving birth that's basically the premise of the joke so I had so, and one of the advice I got from a comic that was helping me, I was, he said, you know, you need to talk more about how the pain feels before you get into the examples. So I took his advice. I went up there, and I'm talking about how much it hurts. And I'm trying to find funny ways to talk about it, and this lady in the audience, I'm, said, I didn't even pay her to do this, but I wish I had thought of doing it because the timing could have been perfect. So I'm talking about how much kidney hurts, and she literally screams at me, "Try giving birth." <laughs> and I'm just and I just looked at her and in my head I'm thinking you have no idea the mistake you just made. So I so I went with that. I said, "Okay, I said, "Ma'am, have you actually given birth?" She goes, "Yes." I said, "I'm curious. How many kids do you have?" Uh-oh. So she gets arrogant with me and she goes, "3." Oh goodness. I got arrogant right back and I said, "Perfect." <laughs> so I go through my whole examples and instead of talking about it, I just pointed her. I said, I I just started talking about, you know, like, you know, you know, most people when they get... See, man, when you got pregnant, you went through the whole pain of childbirth and decided you wanted to have another kid. I find out there's a guy in the audience who had a kidney stone. So I just start... So instead of using the examples, I just played one against the other the whole show. Sure. I said, would you like to have another kidney stone? He went, fuck no. (laughs) And I just buried this chick with every example I had. I felt so happy. So, yeah, that's... So you learn to deal with heckles early on, but... Really, the bombing was scary. It's just now at this stage, I've learned I've learned how to read it. Like you learn, and that happens as you come older. Because there's two things you need to know: you got to separate yourself from the act. That's really what it is. Like once you develop a reputation for being funny, until you have that reputation, you don't know if it's they hate you or if your jokes aren't funny. But once you get a reputation, especially with other comics, when you're making them laugh and they know you can destroy a stage. You can have a night where you bomb and they know it's not you, those jokes just didn't work. You gotta go back and fix them. Right. Or maybe this particular audience just didn't like those jokes. Because they kill everywhere else, but they didn't work here for some reason. That's what that's one of the moments you can be like, okay, maybe this audience wasn't right for this bit. You know, and you now sometimes that's the case, sometimes it's not the case. You just gotta it's really a judgment call you make, but sure. you have to been doing it a long time to really understand it. So bombing depending on the gig doesn't bother me as much okay I'm I go to an open mic tonight just do five minutes if I bomb I ain't going to care but if I was doing a gig where someone's paying me money and I bomb <laughs> I ain't leaving the house for three days I'm, I'm going to be underneath a blanket in a deep depression well, it doesn't
1: make me feel any myself better, <laughs> you know what
2: I'm saying like um that's going to make me cry but <laughs> right a five minutes like, okay, I did five minutes at a bar just right. to work out new stuff okay it didn't work go home fix it so it's sure. so that's really what it is it's more of a judgment call okay
0: And just to clarify for the audience, all these banging noises you're hearing is Vinny smacking the table constantly. (laughs) So, just FYI, that's not the the
2: technician's fault. No, that's not his fault. Sometimes I slam when I'm getting a little excited and stuff. It sounds like Morse code is (laughs) (laughs) Vinny's telling his story. It's like, I'm telling the story. They're holding me hostage. (laughs) Exactly.
0: (laughs) If anyone knows Morse code or the other three people that may be listening to this, let us know if there was a message. And if I said anything inappropriate, I apologize. (laughs) Um, Oh man. Tim, what do you got? How do you follow the heckling? (laughs) What's what's
1: up? You know, there's a lot of truth and wisdom that comes from, that comes from what Vinny has said. Uh, You absolutely, you evolve over time with learning how to respond to it, if sure. to respond to it. And I think for me, um, again, back to some of what Vinny said, is you do have to separate yourself from the act. Is that moment and what that person said and what mood I'm in, is just is it a perfect storm for me to respond and retaliate? Or do I have to because, let's say, maybe I'm hosting a show And it's my responsibility to make sure, okay, well, I got these assholes to turn off the TVs, which was already difficult enough. Y'all are paying me to be here and do this show, but I'm having to struggle with, at 6 o'clock or 7 o'clock, a third key assistant manager who's unwilling to want to cut off a couple of TVs. yeah. But then I've got people sitting up for the comedy show that I'm mad at that, they, you know, so you are, you got so much going on. It's all so different, like Vinny said, and you just, them first, that first time it happens, I think that you aren't prepared for that place that it takes you. In your mind, you've sort of stepped past all the thresholds of uh, having the balls to do it. You're not even thinking about, really. If it doesn't go well, you may think you're thinking about it, but you're not. You don't have a plan or any sort of uh, call to action. You're just like, if it ha- when it happens and it's going to happen, I think that everyone melts down that first time or first couple of times because yeah. you're just not prepared. There's nothing in life like having all the best intentions of the world and feeling good and confident, and building yourself up to try out this in front of people for nobody to respond, or worse, someone does heckle and interrupt (laughs) you. That's probably the worst, though. It's not just the quietness. It's if someone heckles, because if you're not experienced enough and familiar enough with your bit and material to where you can be thrown off track, then it's really a meltdown. And I've seen countless people that are good um, maybe they, it, you know, again, it just depends on the, the mood you're in. But um, it's a great segue to get into uh, something else I want to know about. Vinny, is, uh, you spoke about the, the regular guys a little bit. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's for those that maybe don't know or don't remember. That was a really, really good, that was Atlanta's mm, shock jock morning radio. You know, it was that or what was it, Star 94 at the, the time, Steve and Vicky or something.
2: Um, yeah, yeah, it was rock. Rock one hundred point five was where they were at. They started off at. But the alternative. So, yes, the alternative. Was, yeah, yeah, and so I they, think they, I think, think
1: not to get myself in any trouble, but that was just for a different audience. You yes, know, well,
2: that was and, a, well, keep, well, the thing about is that was smart was the fact that they had so many different stations, so people, most people who, if the regular guy's show wasn't for you, the Bird Show was where they mostly gravitated to. So they kind of, they they both kind of traded the number one spot many many times. But
1: it wasn't, it wasn't, uh, it wasn't Howard Stern. No. But it was uh, Atlanta's alternative for, exactly. for men, maybe the husband's, you know, just that guy. But yeah. uh, certainly a, a different way to, to start your morning, uh, Atlanta's rock station. Exactly. Um, but I saw Larry Wax, so host at that time, co-host of uh, The Regular Guys, when he got into stand-up comedy yeah. at the Funny Farm. And you want to talk about somebody who is so egotistical. And you know what? He had every reason to go that deep and believe in himself if he wanted to. Why? Because he was at the top of Atlanta radio yeah, uh, from week to week. And um, But he wanted to get into stand-up comedy. And he ate shit for... And what that means is in comedy is he bombed. He bombed. He yeah. bombed. But it wasn't the eat shit version. It was just the... Uh, denial of it at first, the lashing out at the crowd and blaming them, trying to respond, so just watching him have like this complete meltdown of his pride on stage in front of a packed house, because as you said at that time, those were the two big comedy clubs, the Punchline and the Funny Farm, and on weekends again, you could see a Dane Cook there you saw people, because I snuck in there Uh, (laughs) you, you had to be 21 and older Okay. But, but you could take someone there uh, and see people on TV on Full House. Like, you just don't realize like how all the these people are comedians got their start in stand-up comedy and have returned. Um, so I saw Larry Wax just eat it on stage and, and then ultimately just, like, quit, thankfully. Um, uh, not just stand-up comedy, but that set and, yeah. and, and left the stage. but. I liked him, or I like, I love the show, and and they obviously him and Eric Von Hessler different dynamic, totally different dudes and viewpoints. That's
2: so so what made it work. Was there? there, there barely Tell us different? about that. Yeah, the please. regular
1: guys getting into uh, that. How? What were you doing right before, and how did that kind of call happen or opportunity manifest?
2: Basically, um, I was three months out of college. I just graduated in May of two thousand ten. Was when I graduated college. i after. I did two years of primary, transferred to Georgia State, graduated, had no idea what the hell I was going to do. Um, and then um, within a couple of months, I had gotten a phone call from a friend of mine, another comedian, uh, Steve Haig, uh, very good friend of mine. Uh,
1: Steve know. Haig is the man that got my start in stand-up comedy.
2: Yes, he, and he got me on Because he
1: brought the funny farm on Thursday nights to McDonough, Georgia, to Southside Steve's, which was a, yeah. a bar. At that time, absolutely. By another regular guys, yes, I Steve, yeah. Just like Steve,
2: yeah. And at first, Steve and I were talking, uh, and he said that he was trying to get he was trying to get me booked to do stand up at the bar. So he said, "Hey, man, I want to bring you down here and do all this." Cause now
1: he was on the show as an intern. Yes, he was. He intern Steve.
2: Yes. Yes, I believe he was intern Steve. Yes. Okay. So he, because uh, some people would just called intern blank, other people got. But y'all names. got names. you all got, and names. y'all like, got airtime. Like yeah, like there was a guy Joe. They called him Big Fat Joe. Uh, there was a Jerry. They called him Stoner Jerry because you know Big Fat Joe was overweight and Steve and Jerry liked to smoke a lot of weed, mm. so they called him Stoner Jerry. Uh, although he, when he later on, this is a side note, when he got a job, when he was in line to get a job at on Q One Hundred as a you know thing, he made them. He asked them to drop the Stoner bit, okay. or if anybody asked, tell them it's a it's a joke. Sure, he didn't want to lose. He want to lose that opportunity. And Larry, and Larry absolutely said, "Done. Well, we don't, you know." Cause, you know, Larry liked to roast and mess with people on the air, but off the air, he genuinely cared about the people that helped him with the show, and he was genuinely nice to me, and I owe, I owe Larry everything. I'll, I'll say that right now. Like, if you did a Kevin Bacon six degrees of separation of everything I've done in my career over the last 10 years, Larry is that Kevin Bacon six degrees. Directly or indirectly, he is responsible for everything that's happened to me. Side note. But anyway, so, so Steve Hay one day, as, you know, he, unbeknownst to me, I had just decided to bring the Boochcast back in, in, at the end of May because I had met another comedian, uh, Dave So Stark. the
1: Boochcast, because we were going to talk about it, so did that come before the regular guys?
2: Yes. Okay. I started in 2008. Okay. And okay. I did it on GCAS for like, it was on, and it was on MySpace. I, wasn't I was going to say, I, I did it for two, I did it for about a year and then I stopped because GCAS let me do it for free. They started charging money. I was a college student. I couldn't afford that. Right. I barely I could barely afford to take my girlfriend at the time out. Sure. So... I shut it down and stopped because I didn't think anybody was listening because you couldn't check analytics back then. Um, And then one day I was doing a show at uh, the Landmark Diner at the time, um, Jared Harris and Gilbert, I hope I pronounced his last name right because I suck at doing it, Uh Huh? God, I did it right finally. I always feel bad because I love Gilbert, and I always feel bad when I mispronounce his last name because I genuinely love this guy.
0: And where's the landmark? Where's it was, that?
2: It's uh, in Roswell. It's where okay. the punchline is now. Okay. Where the punchline currently is, is, they used to have. They used to do this thing called Comedy Gold, and I was. And one day I was over there because I was just in a. I was just yeah. I wanted to go see the show because I was just in a bad mood. In a bad mood, and Gilbert said, "Hey, we got some stage time. You want to go up and do like seven minutes?" I said, "All right, sure." So I kind of at the time, Dave Stone from The Beards of Comedy, he was hosting. Mm-hmm. So he brings me on stage. I go up there, I do my seven minutes, kill it, get off stage, and then Dave, while he was on stage, says, didn't you used to run a podcast? And I said, yeah, I, I did the Booch." And then I started talking to him, and it turns out people were listening that I didn't even know were listening, and I would see Dave over the course of the last few months at different clubs, and he would say, you got to bring the Boochcast back, man. People love that. You got to do that. You're good at that stuff. So I was like, okay, so finally after I graduated college, and after months of him kind of harassing me over it, I said, let me give it another shot. So I went on Gabcast, found a way to do it, started doing the show again. Steve Haig finds out about it, and without even telling me or asking me, which I would have still given permission anyway, shows the Larry Wax. Larry loves the show. That's and Larry answer. said, and that, so I get a phone call from Steve. We're still talking about doing. You the show weren't before.
1: an intern at that time. Nope. You hadn't spoken to them. They weren't even li- in your realm of the day. I
2: listened to them maybe once in a while, okay? Because my mom at the time, my mom and I were. But sharing. you
1: weren't pursuing or seeking any no. sort of role or no. okay? No,
2: I was not pursuing uh, anything like that. Never even thought about it.
1: You just open mic Just open mic and trying podcast. to get stage time. Yes. Yeah, and do a podcast. And podcasting. maybe gonna bring back the bootcast and yes. have found inspiration too.
2: Exactly, and I started doing guests. Now, and did stuff.
1: did Steve take one of the newer episodes that, as you said, you kind of started again after? Yes. Okay. Because the
2: Gcast, when Gcast ultimately shut down and ran out of business, those episodes went with it. Oh. So you'll never hire Don't you
1: hate that? Because Jeez.
2: like I said, back then you couldn't back things. or I didn't know to do that. It's right. very naive to stuff. That's, That's why I'm saying a lot of these there's a lot of lost episodes. Got the time, I didn't have the technology to know how to do that. Now sure. I do. So I could back up stuff now if I wanted to. So I go on there and Steve Haig is calling me up, talking about it. he said, Hey, I happen to show the booch cast to Larry and he and he would like to be a guest on your show. So at first, I'm laughing. Because I think Steve's fucking with me. Yeah. I'm like, he's fucking with me. I'm like okay, sure. Because I'm thinking, this is the regular guy. They do terrestrial radio. He wants to waste time with my show. Because at the time, it was growing a lot in the Atlanta comedy community. So like I said before, I reached out to every comic. This is a fun thing. Like, hey, so I want to let you all know. Y'all, a lot of you all asked me to do this. So I'm bringing the show back. And if any of you would like to be a guest, no pressure. I can do a show by myself. I've done it a million times before. If you'd like to be a guest, feel free to let me know. We'll work something out. Joe Pettis was the first one to message me. Said, I want to be a guest on your show. That went well. Next thing you know, I'm getting calls from Dan Weeks, Justin Morgan, everybody. Even the I didn't, I never interviewed- I interviewed Dave Stone, but I never interviewed the other Beards of Comedy, although I'd like to. But the Beards of Comedy were also big-time yeah. supporters of the bootscast. So the comedy scene was growing it for me. Like they were spreading the word out to everybody because people believed in me and what I was doing with the podcast. Whether they liked my stand-up or not, I don't know. But I remember Joe Pettis telling me one time, he goes, Look, this is your calling. He said, you're you're good at stand-up. You're great at this. Mm-hmm. So Joe one of those guys that really was like, like Dave influenced me to, to bring it back. Joe influenced me to keep it going.
1: I think what he's trying to say is you're the mayor of podcasting. Atlanta podcasting. Oh, definitely. He's the mayor of Atlanta comedy oh, at this point. Gra- granted, granted I will
2: admit, Joe Byers has elevated the game, but yeah. I'm definitely the foundation. If he's stone cold, I'm Hulk Hogan. That's the best way Ooh, to describe it. I like it. It's like Hulk laid the foundation, then Austin 316 came along and took it to another level. So I, I always say that because I always get Because Joel's doing amazing so
1: stuff. So did did uh, the Atlanta comedy interviews and Joe Pettis and these guys getting on as guests, did that happen? Uh, as a result of Larry being on or before, so you kinda had that Mo- going and you were really were before.
2: And then some other came out.
1: Building momentum and then here's Larry wax. Joe
2: Pettis was before that. Reza was before that. A lot, basically a lot of the a lot of the Atlanta comics that are my friends. So I get along with everybody, but I only have a small circle that sure. I really say are my friends. The guys who were my friends that got on, they were there beforehand. As the regular guys got bigger, other comics I think started okay, I think that made me more legit. You know, it brought, like, kind of, kind of like, it's, I don't use a wrestling reference, kind of like Jericho going to AEW. Yes. yes. It made people take AEW seriously. Well, Real I know guy's is me, took, made, made other comics take this podcast more seriously. They're like, holy shit, people won't actually see this. Because regular guys' fans are gravitating to it. So, Steve calls, so I, so I find out Steve tells me, I, I long, by the way, he said, I'm not joking. Larry really wants to be a guest. Do you want to come by the radio station? I'm like, hell yeah, I'll come by the radio station. So, I get in the car, I drive to Cumulus Station. I'm sitting in the green room, waiting for them, I'm waiting for them to finish the show, and then I'm gonna interview Larry, and I thought that's all was gonna happen. Larry finds out I'm in the building. He goes to Steve and says, I wanna bring him on next.
6: Oh
3: wow.
2: Steve comes up to the green room, Steve sat me down and said, Wait right here. He said, Vinny, they wanna to talk to you. And I went, Oh God. If you want this is 10 years ago,